0: One of those games that we've been uh, touching on is miami and kansas city we said it's worth looking into for um, people that are heading off specifically to the game and just because it's an absolute cracker do you see this as a number one seed eliminator
1: the number one seed eliminator um no i don't i don't i'm actually edging towards miami right now as i'm looking at the game um and it's just so hard to call right now with four teams at 6-2 and two in the AFC. I don't think anything rules anyone out right now. These teams are all capable of going on massive winning streaks, um, rattling off five, six wins to finish the season. I could absolutely see that. So I don't think anything is uh, ruled out by this, but it will be a massive statement for which team can win, and they will make all the headlines, and they will be crowned the uh, powerhouse of the NFL and jump up in the Super Bowl odds. Uh, so it's a huge game don't think it's a yeah yeah i I wouldn't go as far as to say it's uh knocks any team out of anything but um well what a game we have in store
0: it's funny that you say that you are leaning on miami miami is a team that i was paying attention to this week because of again the james gell podcast we were looking at the um their game over the weekend against the patriots in particular and i'm kind of watching it and For everything that Miami does well, and there's a lot that they do well, I'm still like, where's the running game that we saw through the first six weeks? I think of obviously themselves and the Eagles are the only two teams that have wide receivers that just completely change a game. I read something online by like I don't know, it was like some Kansas City fan website or whatever, writing like the three keys to this are make. To a move up in the pocket Okay I can kind of see Why you'd want to do that I mean his movement Has been fine But obviously he's not Completely confident Even though he's definitely Better, better at um sliding now Just a, ma- a marked difference But it was like Double Tyreek Hill I'm like look That's not been working It's not been working Against Tyreek Hill Or it's not been working Against um AJ Brown The two best wide receivers In the NFL right now And then it was also Just stack the box Against the run I'm like if you're stacking the box You certainly can't be um. Double team in Tyreek Hill And that's the problem Like A couple of years ago Two was seen as An under average Or less than average quarterback Because he didn't have the weapons But well, now he has the weapons And they can do anything With this offense Especially with Mike McDaniel He's able to draw up so much But I do think In the last few weeks It is I really think it's Tyreek Hill Unlocking the offense Once again That um Teams don't know what to do with him And Steve Spagnuolo's Offense Or defense For the Chiefs definitely has been playing better. But I suppose it's the pass rush up front that's been doing quite well. So it's like, I suppose, look, we know that Tyreek Hill is faster than almost anyone in the NFL. So those longer developing routes take that second quicker to get going but it's like maybe they're able to with a good pass rush be able to eliminate the deep ball a bit more but it's like yeah your focus on Tyreek Hill is why Jalen Ramsey is able to slip against the New England Patriots the other day and get up and make a hail of a grab it's the same reason why Jalen Waddle is able to waltz into the end zone for the final touchdown of the game against the Patriots because you're so worried about what Tyreek Hill is doing and I wonder just how that's going to play out because I, I said this on the podcast and we didn't get too into it. But I do think there is mental mistakes still there from the Miami offense. I think like was pick the other day was a busted route by Tyreek Hill or was a horrible throw. And I'm kind of leaning on busted route except for Tua had a second pick that was definitely interception worthy, except it wasn't close enough to a New England Patriots, um, the defender. But again, his man pulls up and the ball just sails past him, and I'm like, well, sorry, why is the wide receiver pulling up here? Like it's like he he's he's sure that that's his role." So I think that as we go forward, they're definitely going to have to clean up those mistakes because you get away with it against a team like the Patriots who don't have the firepower to sting you on the offense and afterwards. But against a team like the Chiefs now, that's where I'm thinking if you're turning over the ball, they're going to make you pay. Whereas when Miami turned the ball over the other day, they didn't... um, New England, they didn't take advantage. But... Yeah, I suppose in, in in this kind of like vacuum of this game, I don't know if it's gonna rear its head, but going forward for Miami, there is some of those question marks that, look, I think they're an absolutely elite team, but when we really nitpick them, there's some signs there of problems that could cost them the playoffs.
1: Yeah, some of those mistakes are probably a, a byproduct of what's been a contributing factor to a lot of their success as well, if that makes sense. They're such a the, the offense runs in such an anticipatory manner and is throwing the ball before the receivers uh, even turned around or made his break, and it's just, you know, it's reading a defence, a lot of it reading a defence pre-snap, and um, that allows you to make those quick decisions, get the ball out fast, and before the defender's even turned his head, there's been a catch in the running off field. When that does go wrong, you'll see a few interceptions, and Tua has had a few interceptions, um, but I think it's something they're willing to put up with on offence when... You know, it's easy to cope with a couple of interceptions when you're putting 40 points on the board every other week. Um, and, the players work, and the players work more often than not. And it's just a, a beautiful offense to watch. It, they do make it look so easy when it is all going right. And that's something that I don't think can be said for Kansas City this year. It, it, nothing looks easy on offense. And they're don't get me wrong, they're not a team that's struggling on offense. There's much worse out there. But compared to the past few years of the Patrick Mahomes era, I think this is probably looking like the the worst offense since he's taken over as as starter. They're averaging just 23.4 points per game and they haven't ever been below 28 in the Patrick Mahomes era. Mahomes himself is on track for his worst ever passer rating across a season, about 95. That'd be the best for a lot of other quarterbacks in the league, but still it's not his usual standard. Um, he's not putting up as much touchdowns as we normally see save for a couple of big games uh, most recently against the Chargers and he's making more mistakes more interceptions and it's keeping some weaker teams in the games uh, against the Chiefs Um, you know that one of the headlines this week is naturally going to be if Miami loses well the story is going to be they can't uh, beat big teams this year but to be honest the Chiefs and what they've done so far this year isn't, I'd argue, it's probably just about on par with with the wins Miami have had. They beat the Chargers. They've both beaten the Chargers. The Chiefs beat the Broncos. They beat the Vikings, the Jets, the Bears. A lot of these are messy games that the Chiefs are just uh, scraping through and it's not looking as easy as it has done in the past. All that said, I think there is good news for the Chiefs fans. I say it's the worst offense of the Patrick Mahomes era but it's also the best defense and they're learning to win in different ways right now. Just 16.1 points per game allowed second best in the league. Their previous best was 20 points in 2019. So, uh, you know, you could argue that the points they're losing on offense this year, they're gaining on defense. Not a lot of star power either. When you just look at that team on paper on defense beyond Chris Jones, there's not a lot of names that will jump out to the average, uh, NFL fan but they're just all collectively playing very well as a unit Steve Spagnola's kind of hit his stride and uh, got them doing some good stuff you mentioned how Miami's run game hasn't been as good the past few weeks that is one crack that's beginning to show on the Chiefs' side they've had a couple of uh, tough tests stopping the run and they just gave up 150 to the Broncos a um, couple of hundred yard games before that as well so it will be interesting to see how that fizzles out one of those streaks has to end in terms of uh, the Chiefs defence regression stopping the run into Miami off offence regression rushing the ball um, but it's a tough one to call um, you, almost on paper coming into it you'd think these are two teams that are hard to find flaws in but all we've done is discuss the flaws there uh, but that's not look they're just a different level of standard it's a uh, I was watching Good Morning Football this morning and Peter Schrager was talking about this game and he was kind of annoyed that Europe have stolen this game. It's a Super Bowl caliber game and it's the, we could well be looking at a repeat of this in the AFC Championship game uh, come January. So I'm glad we have it and probably the murky game of the season so far, including everything, not just the International Series. Uh, But two teams that have their flaws, they are both can be the best in the league when they're when they're on their day, um, but a tough what to call. I think I'm edging towards Miami. I maybe it's the kind of conversation we're talking about, a team doing better early in the season, whereas Chiefs will really pull through late in the season. I have no about doubts about them there. Um, but yeah, Chiefs it's a conflict, really.
0: Yeah, it's 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 so funny that you said because we are talking about flaws, and again, it's probably because they've been. Uh, because these teams are so scrutinized that you're looking at, oh, well, why, why don't they have that extra ten percent or one percent that we expect from them? The Kansas City Chiefs. It's so funny because they literally have the most drops by their wide receivers in the league this year, and it's like that's the narrative that we expected last year. But I keep on saying, like, I learned my lesson from last year. I was like, no, the Kansas City Chiefs aren't going to win the Super Bowl. They're not going to get back to it, and then they absolutely did because, like you're saying, the the offense is just so good. Cool. I mean, like, it's a cliche. Because it's like, oh, Patrick Mahomes is so good with Andy Reid and with Travis Kelsey, it's all they need. And it's like, yeah, it kind of is all they need because that's what they've had now for the last couple of years and they've been able to get it done Um. Steve Sagnuolo's defense, it is nice and it's such a luxury and they had to have that this year because it is keeping them alive or whatever but it is an important point that you make that Miami needs this win to put to bed that narrative that they haven't beaten a good team. Like they, When they've played the teams, when they've played the Eagles, when they've played the Bills, they have not shown up. Like They've not looked good against those teams. So if it happens again against the Kansas City Chiefs, I mean, three times you can start to call it a habit, whereas the Kansas City Chiefs, you're right, like they have been going completely under the radar they can afford to go under the radar because they're in such a weak division like such a weak division like they're getting nothing um, no competition from those other guys i i wouldn't um, put the chargers in the in the same bracket of them so it's like i think i think i'd like for the narrative of the nfl season for miami to win but i guess i just can't, i can never write off the chiefs like Unless you have that sick Patrick Mahomes, that version of him comes again. Um I do actually have a message from Michael, even though he is um living up in Barcelona, that he he did want to see that he thinks that or say that he thinks that the Chiefs going to Frankfurt on the Friday is the wrong is a huge mistake, is is his words. Um I don't know when Miami gets in, but you would think that the earlier the better, especially like Miami is a bit further west in America. Yeah, Miami's then. already
1: there. They they got in. Um I think they got in Tuesday they probably got in Wednesday morning they left the States
0: right. and look this is the whole um, not will they won't they but the balancing act that we've seen over the last couple of years that teams going to London were saying actually the shorter week was better but then this year was like the longer week um, actually worked out better for teams but yeah going to Germany it's that extra hour again and I just think for Kansas City going all the way, they played in Denver last week, which obviously mile high. Um, it was freezing cold there. They didn't actually have the snow, but it is it it is a particularly strange one that they're going all the way from Denver. Um, it's somewhere that I've been quite a few times, and it is a bit of a trek. Like, don't get me wrong, they'll be flying direct, but again, if they're flying direct from Denver, I, I look, I have no, I, I presume no. Sure, we said they're they're going on Friday. They've obviously gone home to Missouri. But um, yeah, it's it's definitely a weird one. So, uh, Michael, we're we'll probably be with you on that one, and that could be the difference in the game. Like Miami is obviously getting out there earlier, and maybe you could say that they're coming off Not an easier game. That game, uh, the New England Patriots look good, definitely for three quarters at least. Whereas obviously um, Kansas City is uh, picking up the pieces after a sick Patrick Mahomes led them to lose uh, to the Denver Broncos, an absolute uh, sinker. Um, so you, are you making that as your as your pick? Uh, not uh, officially or whatever. But right now, you're saying Miami.
1: Right now, it's Miami. Yeah, I'll take all... I'll push you right to the deadline there before I set further choice. So, hey, um, we'll be flip-flopping. You'll be stressed out over that graphic, but...
0: We'll be yeah, flip-flopping. I, think... I feel like this is kind of go down to the uh, the beer hall on um, on Saturday night in Frankfurt, where uh, Michael has been saying all year that uh, points are on me, so I must remember to forget my wallet going to that one. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm really excited to have this game. Uh, like you said, the likes of uh, Peter Traeger are disappointed that they have it. We've been looking forward to it for so long. And again, I think that... The likes of the German fan fans absolutely deserve it. I mean, they've paved the way for, their, for the rest of us. I mean, obviously, we want our game here, but way to go, everyone in Frankfurt. I'm sure there's a lot of excitement i this week. And um, two games, again, follow along with Pro Football Ireland. We're going to be at the two games. We have a crew gone over to the, both of them. And uh, yeah, as you can tell from our voices, we're super excited. It'll be obviously uh, Frank um, the Patriots' offense this week. The Chiefs' offense this week. Pages cost the week after. This is obviously the uh, Baron Burner game, but that won't be a bit of fun too. And um, we're, we're, we're running late on this podcast, so we will move on. But we've been um, dodging it. Of course, we have two Cardinals fans here on the podcast, and um, somehow we've left it 50 minutes until we finally acknowledge that the Cardinals are a team in the NFL. But um, a lot of storylines this week. Joshua Dobbs, um, who was balling with them this year and really gave them a lifeline in a lot of the games. I'm loving how the season's gone, I will say, because they give me that excitement that I love the Cardinals for. I love... I, I was doing um, a podcast, um, Shout It to Trev. Um, I was in the shed. And I kind of explained to him, it's like, yeah, I went off the Cardinals for a couple of years. Not not as a fan, but like I wasn't as drawn to them because the environment, the era, the Cliff Kingsbury era, if you want to call it that, was a bit um, toxic, whereas I love this version of absolute underdogs who um, are able to push teams, and just they're fun to watch. It reminds me of those teams under Bruce Arians that they're just like you root for the guys on the field. Uh, I was rooting for Joshua Dobbs when he was benched on the week, uh, announced that he had been benched essentially. I knew that something was up. They traded him to Minnesota. First, you talk about it now, uh, Minnesota, I think he gives them a right chance because he did play very well. And anyone that was saying, oh, you're trying to get Matt Ryan or something out of retirement? And whoever else, I think Joshua Dobbs gives them as good a chance as any, Jason, to uh, win a few games and push the lines for the a- a- NFC North.
1: Yeah, he's great. He's, you know, he's been like, you can't even keep track of the other teams he's been at the last couple of years, but he's developed this reputation for using his rocket science brain and stepping into a building and learning the playbook and learning the offense in a matter of no time. So for a team like the Vikings, who are on a bit of a streak and are going to at least try to keep that going, they aren't just going to blow up the season because of uh, Cousins' Achilles being blown up. Um, But Dobbs is a good chance to do that, and he will get you wins. He offers uh, one thing the Cardinals will be lacking now, at least until Kyler comes back, whenever that is is a presence uh, from the Russian quarterback game. And Dobbs really did contribute to the offense quite a bit, whether it was a scrambling for a, a first down off schedule or some design quarterback runs. Uh, the Cardinals were a team that could have went under the radar with their own little version of the tush push. And they're quite effective at running that with Josh Dobbs. So I think he's a good quarterback in that sense. He'll, add, he'll um, definitely add to the... Vikings offense in that regard. It's not something Cousins really offers. Um, passing wise, he's I think he's good at reading the game overall, but he does have some accuracy issues. He tends to throw the ball high and misses receivers high and that's where you're seeing some of these interceptions crop up the last few weeks. Um, but look, it's middle of an NFL season. You're not going to get a star at the quarterback position at this stage. I think Josh Dobbs is probably as good as you could have gotten out there. Jameis Winston is another name they were linked to, but um, haven't seen Josh Dobbs the last few weeks he has shown signs that he can contribute to wins Um, and I think he's a guy that could do that in Minnesota
0: so I asked that because we're going to talk primarily about Kyler Murray here but as a fan I look he was on, on a one year deal and maybe he had outplayed it to the point that he might make a bit of money on free agency next year but I I was like he's the best backup quarterback in the NFL in my eyes like I mean it beats putting, um, beats putting Drew Stanton out there maybe over the last few years as a Cardinals fan. From that point of view, and we'll, we'll keep this short, from that point of view, would you have liked to have seen him hang on as the backup quarterback, or are you kind of like okay with it that they're going to have to uh, go forward with um, Clayton Toon?
1: Uh, yeah, good question. I haven't really thought about it that way. Um, obviously, with what Kyler offers on the ground, it is... Nice to have a quarterback who can rush the ball behind him. Not sure what Clayton Tune is like in that regard, but we'll see what we have now this week, more than likely. Um, but yeah, Dobbs is a quarterback you would like to have. He seems like a smart guy that you'd even like to just have in your quarterback room. And, you know, even if he's managing a clipboard on the sideline, seems like a guy who could offer a lot in that sense as well. Um, so, backup quarterback decision is valuable, but look, they drafted Clayton Tune. Kyler's about to come back, maybe it's just a case of they don't feel like they've uh, or they need to have space on the roster for him as a backup role he has they have lost slightly, lost out slightly they traded a 5th round for him uh, they only got a 6th back uh, but the 6th round pick is going to be probably towards the higher end of that 6th round and the 5th round pick was a bit back so whatever way it balances out it's not, a, it's not a great deal they've lost Um but yeah, maybe they've just felt they weren't going to meet his contract demands in the offseason.
0: Yeah, look, they probably traded back 20 picks to give us a bit of excitement, which uh, I can't uh, hold against the front office. But yeah, look, talking about Kyler Murray, he'll he he'll be activated at the very least in the next um, few days because he has to be, unless they're going to put him back on um, IR for the year. But Kyler Murray definitely changes what the Cardinals are doing this year. He's going to want to play tough. Um, where are you right now with Kyler Murray? As in, is he playing for his job with the Cardinals at least? Or are you fully in and like? Do you think he's getting assessed now under this new coaching staff who he hasn't played for before? Do
1: you know, I think the... I was surprised. Maybe maybe there was. Maybe the story just didn't break. But I was surprised the team didn't come in for him before the trade deadline, to be honest. Um, because, you know, he was getting healthy again. Um Team said he wasn't available, but, you know, th- there's a price for everyone. And there is a few teams that look at your Falcons, maybe even your Redskins. There's a few teams there that aren't going to be picking high enough to get that true difference maker at the quarterback position. So the next best option will be to trade for a guy. And you might get decent value on a guy like Kyler Murray now. But I, I do believe that the the team has faith in Kyler Murray being their guy moving forward. If, they've, if they can at all avoid using a top draft pick on a quarterback and rather trade back and load up in other positions, if they that is the perfect scenario for them. And if Kyler shows them enough in terms of fitting into the offense and reading the game better than he may have done sometimes in the past, I think they want to keep him. He's, he's come back from an ACL injury. Like It's not going to be easy. He's not going to be the player he was straight away. It normally takes a couple years to be uh, come back fully into rhythm. So don't expect him to be running around and have the same speed and agility that he normally has. Uh, but as long as they see the right signs in terms of him running the offense, being a leader in the locker room uh, and showing his durability, I think, you know, why why would you look to get off a guy like that? He's shown the talent he has in the past. It's just a matter of doing it more consistently now. And I think um, we're seeing Caleb Caleb Williams have some struggles with the Cliff Kingsbury offense in college. Uh, I think, you know, it's not the most quarterback-friendly offense. And Drew Pensing is doing some good things. And I'm just excited overall to see how Kyle will fit into that.
0: Yeah, I, I feel like my side of it is that Kyler Murray, if it works in the next few weeks and they play themselves out of Caleb Williams, that would be Caleb Williams gone. But if they own the first overall pick, it's kind of like, look, the security or saying that the safety blanket that the rookie wage scale will give you. I think that that's going to force them, especially because they can pick up picks through Kyler. That, yeah, I, I think I lean on that. He's probably playing a bit for his Cardinals career. I think that they couldn't trade him now. In case they went off and won too many games, that they have the third overall pick and they can't pick that quarterback, and all of a sudden it's like, why did we give away a franchise quarterback? I think it's a luxurious position to be in as a Cardinals fan or as the organization. Um, on the Austin 4th, the GM, like, absolutely must be loving it because this, this is what you you live for, really. But, um, yeah, I, th- I think it's really interesting. I want to see what happens when they come back in the, um, They'll play the Browns this week The Browns don't know if they'll have their quarterback The Browns have to make easy work if it is Clayton June out there But uh, we'll wait and see Because if we want to move off that And do headache uh, As we start to wrap this thing up I might go first um, Because it just makes sense now My headache of the week is Will Levis For the Tennessee Titans. I hope that we haven't clashed on that one. But um, just because I think that he changes the fortunes of the Tennessee Titans. They skyrocketed in the power rankings this week. They could go further again. Their record is a bit out of touch now. Obviously with the Jaguars. Which I said earlier on. But he's the headache. Although the real headache is probably DeAndre Hopkins. For AJ Terrell or Jeff Okuda. The cornerbacks for um, this week. When... Or, sorry, they'll be playing against the Steelers, I should say. But he was a headache this week for the Atlanta Falcons because he DeAndre Hopkins went off. Will Evans, I don't know, did you see DeAndre Hopkins, the video that he recorded saying that he'd been written off, Jason? Oh, give me a break, DeAndre Hopkins. You were not written off at all. It was everyone wrote Ryan Tannehill off, and as a result, your collateral damage that you couldn't get any. Any uh, yards or touchdowns or anything, but obviously he looked like an absolute monster the other day, DeAndre Hopkins. So if Will Levis is able to keep that connection going, all of a sudden the Tennessee Titans are a different team in that easier division.
1: It's probably a guy they wanted to keep around. Is the name leak, leak, or linked with being traded at the deadline. Hopkins was, um, but when you have a young guy like Levis stepping in, um, it is important to have a veteran presence at receiver, and DeAndre Hopkins has definitely shown that uh, he still has a lot left in the tank. It's going to be a tough test against the Steelers' defense though for the, the rookie. Um, obviously, he did fantastic last week. I'm going to hold off between before I crown him as the next franchise quarterback for the Titans. He did struggle in the preseason. Maybe he's made a load of strides in the background um, since then. But I would like to see a bit more. No questioning his arm talent. He's had some freakish, freakish throws there last weekend. 40, 50-plus air yards throwing across his body, just kind of Justin Herbert-type stuff. Maybe he'll be the new Herbert-making, and, um, you know, the, the love over him in social media. For my headache, I'm going to cheat a bit here, picking a few guys, but I think it's something we probably haven't talked about too much on this podcast, at least, uh, which is the tush-push. So I'm going to go with uh, Eagles left guard, Landon Dickerson, and left tackle, Jordan, Maylata uh, might throw Jason uh, Jason Kelsey in there as well at centre these guys have been causing headaches for defensive coordinators and D-lines across the league all season and uh, they're playing the Cowboys this weekend, it's going to be a close divisional battle uh, the Cowboys have won 4 of the last 5 games against the Eagles uh, so I expect this to be a close one and the odd 4th down conversion here or there could prove the difference in the game but um, there's a great video uh, Brett Coleman on YouTube I'm not sure if you, you know Mark but he puts out some good football content and he just put out one breaking down the, the tush push and what really is driving Philadelphia's success in that regard and he compares it to a rugby scrum rather than a quarterback sneak because that is really what they're doing they're getting parallel to the ground and driving uh, just getting lower leveraged in the defensive line in front of them and defensive lines haven't really had an answer to it and haven't been attacking it in the right way so far this season so uh, I think Dan it's definitely going to be on his mind it's been on the mind of every defensive coordinator as the season's um, progressed but let's see if someone can finally put a stop to the unstoppable play it is a 93% success rate it's been run 44 times and 41 times the Eagles have converted with the Tushbush Brotherly shove, whatever you want to say.
0: When, when was that due? Because they uh, fumbled. Um, Jalen Hurts fumbled on the weekend against Washington because they did bring the pressure up front. So, uh, yeah, I think that, uh, look, you said there, uh, another man that was uh, breaking it down on NFL Network recently was Rex Ryan. And the more, whether it's the media or otherwise, everyone's having their look at how to stop the tush And when you saw the fumble happen the other day, I was thinking, please, God, this would be the difference now that it goes away because... It's a fine play, but I just don't love that it's an absolute automatic. You know, you see the memes of uh, Jalen Hurts when you give him the ball on fourth and one. Because the other thing with the Philadelphia Eagles is they're so aggressive that they'll go for it on fourth and three. They're going for on fourth and four if they're inside uh, the opponent's territory, fourth and five even. That, um yeah, it's just too automatic for me. And it's like yeah give me a break it's like what games don't break in their favor if they don't have the push push uh yeah look every team in the nfl is allowed to use it i hope that the rule has changed next year i don't know why other than like for fairness and just because it's i suppose it's not an attractive play It's like give me the the quarterback having to leap over or hand the ball off real fast to a running back and then having to go over the top against the defensive lineman
1: if other i think if other teams start to adopt it and really can have success with it, then the, the league might look at finding a way to, to outlaw it. But right now you have to give them credit because the Eagles are doing it when every other team, it's not like other teams can't be trying this. And that's what Nick Seriani said in his press conference last week. And um, if everyone could do it, everyone would do it. So you, you have to give them credit yeah. as well. And it, it takes a certain...
0: It takes a certain kind of quarterback as well because Zach Wilson cannot do the touch push. Like if he takes off and runs, like he's too easy to take down. So it does take a Jalen Hurts to run a, like the strong big boy. Kyler Murray couldn't do it. You know he's too small. So it's like it, yeah. you're definitely right that um, it takes certain guys. Um, we, I guess we'll finish up any more points on that because I'm gonna go through the schedule and then uh, finally get us out of here so we can start packing.
1: Yeah, just look definitely check out that YouTube video. It's uh, I, th- I found it very interesting. It wasn't a case of. Hertz kind of driving over the centre as you kind of assume with a quarterback sneak it's really kind of nuanced and timing that he follows the left side of the line and contrary to what you said there uh he doesn't place too much emphasis on the quarterback's role in that, it's more those left side um offensive linemen and then of course the receivers and running backs that come in from behind and push it but he'll explain it better than me anyway
0: <laughs> 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 having watched having watched um Chile versus um Argentina in the uh, Rugby World Cup, I would like to uh, add that I do think that the size of the player can make a difference because even the uh, the Japanese play a different style of rugby, and if he's comparing it to rugby, I think that they uh demand that you need the the big props or whatever to go forward with. Well, here we'll run real quickly through um. Michael has made it a tradition to uh, run through the schedule. We have the Thursday night football game, Titans at Steelers. Dolphins obviously playing the Chiefs in Frankfurt. The Vikings playing the Falcons. Seahawks going to the Ravens. The Cardinals playing the Browns in that game that we briefly mentioned. The Rams would hope to get back on track now against the Packers. The Bucs versus the Texans. Washington goes to New England, the Bears playing the Saints, the Colts to the Panthers. As I read this, it's like, are we getting another one of these 16 game slates, Jason? The Giants are going to the Raiders now. Obviously, we didn't even touch on Josh McDaniels being let go there. We did touch on it if anyone wants to talk or hear it on the James Gallup podcast. Um, The Cowboys are at the Eagles in the late afternoon window game. Bills at the Bengals on Sunday Night Football and the Chargers play the Jets in what could be like the number eight seed game in the AFC based on what we said today
1: I can confirm we have four teams on a bike, it probably does feel a bit longer when you have to read them all
0: out (laughs) Michael can gladly take that role back of reading those out next week, Um, Jason it's been a pleasure, obviously um, we will see you in Frankfurt Uh, Huge, looking forward to it, obviously get your rest before then, check us out on social media, in the meantime everyone will be bringing content throughout the weekend, we get there on Saturday Um, and we'll hopefully be lashing out the content from Saturday and then it'll be obviously through the week as well but uh, I don't know what to expect so um, (laughs) I don't know if that sells or does not sell Pro Football Ireland on the weekend but um, yeah for Jason I've been Mark Hogan and um, yeah thanks for listening